Comics Action Show is created by Jupiter Broadcasting. It's sponsored by Ting. Go to last.ting.com to save off your first device or plan. And DigitalOcean. Go to digitalocean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing, all one word like you're slurring it, and spin up your own Linux rig for free. And Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and invest in your mind while saving some money. Welcome to the Linux Action Show, episode 409er. My name is Chris. My name is Noah. Hey, Noah, guess what? Big show today. Coming up on this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, we're going to take a look at the KDE Neon Project, the latest and greatest from the community of KDE. Jonathan Riddle will be joining us to discuss the goals of this project. And then Noah and I have been running it for the past few days, and we'll give you our first impressions. Yes, it's early days. But they're trying to pull off something really neat, a super crazy current version of KDE. I'm talking like hour of release KDE on top of a long-term support Ubuntu base. It's a neat idea, and they're doing something different that I don't think anybody else has really done. So we'll chat with Jonathan and then give you our take. Plus, we've got the news coming up in the news. It's been an interesting news week, and one of our most favoritest open source projects got an update this week with all kinds of new hacker capabilities. Or something like that. It'll probably be featured in a movie soon. Plus, then we have some feedback. Noah and I are going to get called out. We might take some calls, depending on time. But before all of that, Noah, you know what we got? We got picks. We do got to the picks. And uh, this one came in from an audience member again this week. Jeez, is this the third week in a row? That's awesome, Noah. Uh, So, all right. So it comes in, and I'll show the picture while you read the note, which I believe was actually addressed to me, which is kind of awesome. And it it looks like it's a... uh, it looks like it's one of those spotted in the wild runs Linux. Right, my favorite ones. And he writes in, and he no. First, we got to give some pretext. Sears, if you haven't if you haven't noticed, has gone to this all iPad checkout thing where they hand their all their employees have iPads, and then you can check out at anywhere in the store. So basically, you pick up a wrench, and you're like, I like huh. this wrench. I would like to purchase this wrench. And huh. then the employee goes, Great, give me your credit card. And you hand them the wrench, and you hand them their credit card, and they scan it with their iPad, and they swipe your credit card, and then you're Sears. done. And then they out a Sears, is that like a uh... Like a version of Amazon? But I'm I'm just kidding. Yeah, so Sears it's like runs... Amazon. It's like Amazon, except you can get they have like really high quality tools and oh. you can get them like right then. You don't have oh. to wait. Uh oh, I pushed a button. Sorry, no, I yeah. didn't mean to t- I didn't mean to offend your lover. So this here is a wild spotting of Sears running Linux. Even though they're running iPads, tell me about this, Noah. What's right, going on? Right. So he writes in and he says, I spotted Linux in the wild today at Sears while at the register. Well, uh, while the register was booting up, I looked at the Ubuntu boot screen for about with the four loading dots, but it was customized with the Steers logo instead of Ubuntu. When the boot process had finished, the GTK dialog popped up, and so I was able to snap a picture before the POS interface showed up. I saw that they were running a desktop in the optical department. I only got a glimpse of it, but it looked to have like a really old customized version of KDE. Now, again, what I think is interesting is that while Sears is continuing to move towards tablet and you right. know become total hipster, at the same time, like their main POS system, because you know that those the, that their tablets aren't actually doing any real computing, right? They're just talking back to a POS system. To a real computer, right. To a real computer. And the real computer is apparently running Linux. And so, I it, again, these are kind of my favorite because... You know, it's it's fun. Like you go you go and you're looking. It's like, well, astronauts. Well, they run Linux. And you go and look and well, robotics. Well, they run Linux. But you go into Sears. I would not necessarily expect the POS at Sears 
to be running Linux. But a lot of times, if you look at the at the like the kiosks where they have like the online store ordering stuff like that, those will be running Linux. And apparently, like the entire POS system at Sears. And if it works in his Sears, you can bet that it's probably every Sears. Yeah, that's that's a, that's cool. a huge part of uh, what a big win it's been for Linux. The move away from Windows in general, whether it's been on the point of yeah. sales device or if it's been on the Internet of Things device. Mm -hmm. That has been so, such a big win for Linux because not only does Linux tend to run directly on those devices, maybe not in the case of iPads, but it almost is always now guaranteed to be running on the back-end services that all oh, yeah. of those devices are connecting to. So it's been a huge win for Linux. For, and I think for a long time the back-end has had Linux, but I think what is impressive to me, you know, in the past, like, I'd say maybe in the past 10 years what I've seen the shift from is 10 years ago I think you would have been really likely to see Windows XP embedded. If inside yes. of POSs or inside of kiosks and stuff like that. And I think now that de facto choice has gone away from XP and Windows, period, and gone and kind of switched to, to Linux. And the, the interesting thing is, if you think about it, it begins a cycle of a ball rolling because now that that Sears has, has done that, you you know that you know the, the Sears executives they have meetings and talk to you know J C Penney's executives whoever, and th when they're in the market they say you know we're looking for a POS system and Sears says well we've had no problems with ours we've had it for ten years that's a we've, huge you know, deal yeah because uh, you, you get that networking phenomena. I've spoken to um, a business that is responsible for implementing a lot of the networking connectivity for the Safeway grocery stores in the uh -huh. Washington. Uh, well, just in the Pacific Northwest in general. And a huge part of what drives their decisions is what else has been proven in the industry. And mm -hmm. they generally won't implement something that hasn't been proven in the industry. And Sears... Best practices. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh, you know what else is proven in the industry? Our first sponsor this week, DigitalOcean. Head over to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code Here's the Thing, All one word, like you're slurring it. And get a $10 credit over DigitalOcean where you can spin up your own Linux rig. They have a beautiful infrastructure, all based on Linux, SSDs for all of the hypervisor servers. The hypervisor itself is KVM. In fact, if you check out our Linux Action Show subreddit, there is a talk by, I think, like their lead technical engineer guy. Did you see this, Noah? No. Uh -uh. It's, so they authorized him to talk about a whole bunch of stuff, including file systems and the uh, software RAID versus hardware RAID at DigitalOcean. And he showed some pictures of their data center, uh, one of their data centers. And um, it, it's a really cool talk if you're into that stuff. And it just reaffirmed everything I love about DigitalOcean. And I learned a lot more about some of the open source code they're using on the back end to make all of this possible. So you can get started in less than 55 seconds, and pricing plans start at only $5 a month. That's amazing. And you'll get 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSDs, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer. And you go look at their pricing structure, it just steps up from there. Really straightforward. So you can do monthly or hourly pricing. I, I'm, these days, I'm, what I'm doing is when I'm working on a project and I'm not sure if I'm going to stick with it, I'm doing mm -hmm. the, 20, well, which, what, the $20 droplet, which really works out to be three cents an hour. I'm just spinning the project up on that for like, you know, 30 minutes while I try something out. It's ridiculously awesome. And if you use our promo code, here's the thing. Not only is it a chance to support the show all over again, but it's a chance for you to go experiment with some stuff at no cost to you. Then on top of that, you'll enjoy their great interface, their straightforward API, tons and tons and tons of documentation. Really good documentation. Lots of good stuff as it hits, too, like Let's Encrypt, and they have a uh, Rocket Chat uh, tutorial on there, which we talked about, Rocket.chat, recently. They've got a tutorial, which it didn't exist when we did that, but now that's there. That's super nice. The community tutorials take it to the next step. Their great UI makes it possible for anybody to manage a crazy powerful rig. Go to DigitalOcean.com and see why they are our Linux infrastructure on demand or, honestly, FreeBSD, too, if you, if you want. FreeBSD is there as well. I, what? No. No, free, no. no. 
Here's the thing, DigitalOcean.com. Use that promo code, get a $10 credit, just apply it to your account. Here's the thing. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Action Show. Okay, Noah, so you've got a desktop app this week that promises to help those of you stuck in that optical media dimension, which, let's be honest, when you're working with family, you want to provide and share memories with family, sometimes the good old traditional optical hard media is the best route to go. I love that you totally, you totally nailed it. You totally nailed it. I, like we did not talk about this before. <laughs> no, totally I know how it goes, it. dude. So, I am. I'm sitting on Telegram. I'm working on show notes, and I'm talking to a friend of mine. I said, well, "I'm looking. You know, I need an app pick this week." And he goes, "Well, why don't you just use whatever saved your butt this week? You live on Linux all week. What is it? What app did you use this week that that fixed a problem for you?" Dude, that's often my criteria. That's funny. I look over to my right, and what I'm doing is burning a DVD for a family member because we, I had gone, through, I was going through my <laughs> editing machine, and I was dumping all of these files off, and I'm yeah. like, oh, I'll go ahead and telegram. No, she doesn't tell. Well, I'll email. No, no. it's too big I'll, for you. I'll, no. I'll export onto a USB. She'd have no way to play. <sighs> she has yep. a DVD player and a TV. Well, I guess yep. I'll burn it to a DVD. Yep. Well, the problem is, you know, really. There probably aren't a lot of people because, frankly, most of us live in the 21st century. We don't want things that scratch and have to insert and feel like an animal and playing DVDs. And so most of us would prefer to just click on a file. But if you have family members that that only have a TV and a DVD player and you want to share contact with them, like maybe the Linux Action Show, you could download the Linux Action Show and use – and I'm probably going to butcher this bun bo, bun no, bun, bon Bobo – I know it's bon not bonobo. Bo- it's bon- not, but it's bombobo, bombono, bom bombono, bop bop bom bop bombono. So it basically what it is is it's a DVD authoring suite, and the great thing about a DVD authoring suite is it's more than just burning the movie onto the disc and then it plays. It allows you to do menus. It allows you. Yeah, this to, is like, the let's thing. Say, let's say, for example, in the, the one what I was doing, I have I had four videos. I had the the video the 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 three that I had of of my two kids, and then the last video that I've just done of the new baby well, along with his with his brother her brother Aww. and sister, and so. When you load it, it loads a title menu, and you can click on all three of those, or you can hit play all, and it plays the first one, and plays the second one, and plays the third one. And they offer a host of different things. So you can actually do some editing right I in. I see that. This- yeah, and I wouldn't recommend it at all. I, I really wouldn't, but you can. Um, and so you can, like, let's say if it, as you're going through, if you wanted it to, you can have, like, the animation that slides into the actual video and stuff like that. And that I played with a little bit. But the the thing that kind of got me was, in addition to like the motion menus and stuff like that, you can actually reauthor the DVD. So after you get done, and you can export out to an ISO file, which I prefer because then I can just I can put it on my my and my movie. When you say reauthor, you mean like with titles and everything, like you put right, right. But you can reauthor, so you can reopen that ISO back up. Yeah. And pull the video back out, and it pulls somehow. It can pull like the project file and extrapolate, and you can go back and say, "Well, actually, I wanted to edit this, and I want this text here, or something like that." And it allows you to yes. re-edit. And so that is really, really neat. Cool. Uh, this is like a this is like a more advanced, uh, cooler version of old Apple's old iDVD they used to make, where you could go create the menu structure and the video layout of the DVD, yep. and actually make a product. Yeah. If you wanted yeah. to, yeah, and I mean, again, I don't know how many people are product. I think in this day and age, like in, any of the professional video we've done in the past five years, yeah, I have yet to have a client request a DVD copy. I mean, they they always want could it. it in, in, could it do a Blu-ray? You know, if you had a Blu-ray burner, do you know? I wonder. I wonder if it could. 
You, I think it What's could up, because it's essentially it just makes the ISO right, and you yeah. can choose what the resolution is. So if you burn, you burn it to a, a Blu-ray. I would so assume. is it free or is it commercial free. software? Because I see oh, they have free. they have you a. Go, it's in the software center. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. really? So for Windows, yep. it's twenty-five bucks. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Suckers. Yeah. Really. Yeah, you can open the software center and just uh, install it. That's great. That's really cool. So there you go. So Bombano, B O M B O. And that's pretty cool, Noah. Yeah, that's a good way to go. When you got a problem, you got to solve uh, what saved your butt this week. So tell me about. Okay, was this also a butt savior? You needed to edit a web. I'm, I'm trying to picture this. Uh, something yeah. comes up, information is wrong on a website, and you need to fix nope. it ASAP. That's right. Is that so, it? Did I get uh, it? <laughs> you got it pretty much. It's pretty close. So I am not a web developer. I'm an IT admin. That means I work on your network and you can hire somebody like Rotten Corpse who knows what he's doing to work on on websites. And, and so the problem is every once in a while, you ever have, did you ever have, Chris, when you were working, somebody come up to you and say, hey, you fix things and then give you something like totally absurd? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I, yeah. I had, a lady, I had a lady a couple months ago and she's like, hey, you're really good at fixing stuff. Could you look at my car? And I'm like, uh-huh. your car? I don't fix cars. I, yeah, we actually, I did end up fixing your car. It was a wow. problem. But no, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know, know about cars. About I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, you know. And I don't know anything about web design either. But <laughs> the problem was, the problem was they had, they had this website and all they wanted to do, is actually fairly simple. They wanted to, uh, they, they wanted to, they downloaded all, all of their, because they're paying like 180 bucks a month. And all they wanted to do was move off of this ridiculous price gouging hosting service and go to a normal hosting provider that was going to charge them like 14 bucks a year um, and and to, to host their website. And so, and, but when we pulled it down, they said, well, we just need you to change the phone number and this, that, and the other. So first I did what any normal <coughs> hacker would do. And I opened it up in G edit and I'm like, well, I'll just erase the phone number and sure, yeah. a new one in. Well, I don't understand the magic of this year. CSS goober nonsense. Cause everything just got all mucked up when I did that. My so I was like, well, I need I need some sort of an editor, and so I found Blue Griffin, and Blue Griffin is a WYSIWYG editor for those of us that are are web dumb. And I know that every web developer out there, including Rotten Corpse, is shaking their head and going, "That's not the way you edit web pages. You don't use WYSIWYG. You got it." And they're all making fun of me, and that's cool. I'm just I'm not as leet as you guys, and I understand that. And so I, I opened with this little WYSIWYG designer. I erased the phone number. I typed the new one. I updated their web address. They had a couple other minor changes. We updated some pictures and stuff like that and dropped them in, file, save, and web page worked. And oh. it was amazing. Uh, and so if you if you are not a web designer, or maybe you have like, it, it dawned on me, maybe you have like some very simplistic website needs. Like I have a website that its only function in life is to serve as like a homepage bookmarks, like all the sites I visit, it just, I set it as my homepage and then I can click on the different links that I visit. If you had something, and I downloaded a template and that particular one, I just edited it and G-edit, but that might be something you could do is, is so, just is download a template and then go and modify it for your needs. A couple you other things it. about it that jumped out at me. So yeah, it's a WYSIWYG web editor, but something else that's interesting mm-hmm. about it, uh, if I'm following, it is uses QT for the interface, mm-hmm. which kind of fits in with our KDE episode, uh, and it is using Gecko for the rendering engine. Correct. So it's the like the Firefox rendering engine to render right, a web page. Right. And so here, and he, actually, and I did run into that. And here's what's great about that: when you preview something inside of Blue Griffin, it looks exactly like it would on Firefox. And my understanding is that's because of that. It's using that same engine. If yeah. I understand that correctly. Yes. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys can find it at bluegriffin.org, or we will have a link in the show notes. 
you know, every now and then it's nice just to have something to quickly look at something or bang something together. Or, so, you know, if you just want to do often, you know what, I'll you really use something for that like that is I will just open up a blank document and get mm-hmm. a, and I know I have a rough idea of the, of the HTML code to do something, but if I can just do it in there and it generates clean HTML and I can grab that mm-hmm. and go paste it in the show notes or something like that, it's perfect yeah. for those kinds of things. Hey, before yeah. we jump into the news really quick, this is kind of news. Coming up really soon is Linux Fest Northwest, April 23rd and 24th in Bellingham, Washington. Noah and I and a whole bunch of the crew will be there. We'll have a live show on Sunday. We'd love to have you come there and watch the Linux Action Show live. We'll be there Saturday and Sunday broadcasting, so you can check it out at jblive.tv as well. We're going to have a whole bunch of stuff. we got projects planned and all kinds of things. And every year, Noah, it seems like there's one guy where they take like all of the effort to bring out here. You know, maybe we should have that guy call in in the feedback and harass him a little bit. We'll tell you more about that later. But every year there's something for every Linux Fest. It's always fun. This year, Linux Fest Northwest 2016 is already looking like a blast. And there may be an epic Linux rig build project in the works while Noah is out here. There may just be. There may have been hardware ordered for an awesome Linux build project. We'll see. You never know. Also, a uh, little bit further out, but uh, the uh, window for submitting papers is closing fast. Self, uh, or, is, or is now opening? I'm not sure. But Self is looking for submissions. Yeah. The deadline is April 1st. That's what it is. If you want to, if you want to speak itself, the deadline is fast approaching. And Self is specifically giving a call out to maybe folks who are not uh, familiars to the speaking circuit. Well, and, and actually, you know, kind of what they're looking for is... Self is the reason is one of my favorite conferences to attend is because they're so community based. It's not how do we make money off of Linux, it's how do we support the community. And what right. they're really pushing for this year is they want to get speakers that are involved with the community, that are based in the community and know the community. And you know, it's it's easy and it's very welcome to have. Uh, it's very interesting and welcome to have people from uh, large organizations and large companies um, to come speak because it's interesting to get their insight. But this year they're trying to. Uh, get a focus on really concentrating on the community aspect. And so if you have if you have a project or if you're a person that's that's involved with a project or you have a passion about a project or something like that and, and, and you're looking for an opportunity to speak, they would be very welcoming. The other thing that's nice about self is because it's not as it, it's not, you know, bombarded with, uh, you know, a, a huge amount of people that are bumping into each other the entire time. It's a really easy way to kind of venture out into a first mm-hmm. speaking. Mm-hmm. Our own Q5Sys actually did, I think, I believe his first speaking engagement mm-hmm. a couple years ago. It's a really on, good scene um, for that. If they've just got something yeah. you want to share, something you've been working on, uh, and you're, you know, you, you don't want to make up a big production out of it, but you still want to just give a great talk that people will find right. valuable. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's great for that, and every year they get better and better. Uh, I'm planning to go this year. It's June 10th through the 12th, 2016, obviously at the Sher- at the Sheraton Charlotte Airport in Charlotte, North Carolina, and uh, I. I'm hoping to bring Lady, Lady Jupiter down there. I'm not quite sure, of, obviously, of the, how, how far of a drive it is at this point. So, to recap, Southeast Linux Fest, uh, June 10th through the 12th, in Charlotte, North Carolina, is looking for submissions for speakers. Their deadline is Friday, April 1st. Linux Fest Northwest is coming up in April. Their deadline's already closed for speakers, but you can come hang out with the crew, uh, help Noah switch as many people over to Linux as possible. hey April 23rd and 24th of next month. Looking forward to that. All right, Noah, let's do the news. The news in this episode is brought to you by Ting.com. Go to last.ting.com to rock it out. Go to last.ting.com to support this show and get yourself $25 off a 
well-priced Ting device or $25 in service credits if you have a Ting-compatible device. It's mobile. It makes sense. You only pay for what you use. $6 for the line. Boom. That's it. Base. $6 for the line. And then it's just your usage on top of that. Minutes, messages, megabytes. Add it up. That's all you pay. No contract. No the termination fee, and they have some really nice unlocked phones you can buy directly from Ting. So go to last.ting.com, click on their How Much Would You Save button there, and try out their savings calculator. It's actually pretty impressive. Um, you can plug in like your average usage, uh, how much your current rates stack up against Ting, and it's your uh, actual monthly usage before. So figure out how much you use, so maybe like... Uh, I don't know, 100 minutes of phone call. I mean, do you actually make that many phone calls? Uh, if you're using any text messaging application at all, like Snapchat or Telegram, you probably don't send very many text messages. But let's say, let's say you send, let's say you send 22 in one month. Megabytes. Mm -mm -mm. Now, if you're a little Wi-Fi savvy, you can really save some money here. Now, I, I like to use Wi-Fi as my primary connectivity, but I like to have LTE uh, GSM as a backup. So I'm going to put in there, let's say, 788 megabytes. I don't know. I'm just kind of being random. Uh, and I, it's been so long. It's been over two years since I used Ting. But I think my bill was around 130 bucks, So I'm going to put 129 in because before taxes and all of that. I hit Calculate Savings. And Ting will run the numbers to see how much I would save if I was roughly doing So I would save in two years $2,352. It really comes down to your usage. So plug it in there and see how much you would save. Tech uh, <laughs> snap. Yeah, screw those guys. Go to last.ting.com. That supports the show. Let them know you heard about it here on the Linux Action Show, but also gets you that discount. So, once you get your brand new Ting phone, you need to put some great apps on it. And that's why Kyra's here with an app pick. Take it, Kyra. I found a way to make chores fun. I'm Kyra, and this is the Ting Download. All right. In the age of video games, it can be hard to incentivize the little ones to do any household work. Or me. So that's precisely what Chore Monster has set out to do. Gamify Chores. The app allows parents to place a points-based minigame on top of their regular chore list, giving kids something tangible to compete for. When you start the app, you'll be directed to set up two types of accounts, one for the parents and another for the kids. Once complete, the parent can begin issuing chores, setting point values on said chores, and creating rewards cool. via TV viewing time or something sold on Amazon.com. On the kids' end, they'll have access to a list of available chores, rewards progress, and their collection of in-app monsters, which are obtained through a raffle upon chore completion. The app intelligently leaves the final say on chore completion with the parent, who needs to approve the task. The app has other fun features, like social network bragging and the ability to award points for helping a sibling with their assigned tasks. And best of all, the app is free. Chore Monster is available for Android, iOS, Windows Phone, Windows 8 and 10, and the Kindle Fire. Whoa. And speaking of rewards, why not support us by liking this video and subscribing to our channel? Thanks for watching. Last.ting.com. Go check out Ting. It's really mobile that makes different makes a difference. And the very existence of Ting is putting pressure on the duopolies out there. And this Noah could be an app that maybe would work for show hosts. What do you think? You know what's funny? I was looking. I was. I followed her up until she's like social media breaking. What? Like. Oh, that's a thing, dude. That is a no, thing. Okay, hold on, hold on. Think back to your social media breaking is definitely a thing. But think back to your your uh, your yourself from like seven years old to seventeen years old. At what point in there would you have been like, 
mom told me to do XYZ. I did XYZ. You know what I think? I, I, don't, like, I, I don't think it's I, for the kid. I think it's for the mom or dad to do the bragging. <laughs> oh. I got this chore done. Look oh. at me. Ha ha. That's, that's what it is. Okay. Uh, sorry, I misunderstood. I thought mm -hmm. you were saying that. Well, no, I think it is, but I think that's what actually like get used for by the parents. Check out their uh, check out some of their devices too. Everything from $9 SIMs, feature phones under uh, 60 bucks, all the way up to the latest and greatest smartphones. They got them all unlocked and you own them outright. Last.ting.com. And a big thanks to Ting for sponsoring Linux Action Show. Kind of a slow news week this week, so I thought we'd actually take the opportunity to talk about some underlying stuff that we don't normally mention on the show. Why the hell not? Kernel 4.5 has been released. Yeah, yeah, Robotty. <clears throat> Linus said uh, that, uh, well, later on this Sunday, later than my usual schedule, I decided to release because I couldn't make up my mind whether I should do another RC8 or not and just kept waffling about it. In the end, I obviously decided not to. But it could have gone either way. Some of the headline features for this new uh, kernel release cycle are DM verify, forward error correction, optional mandatory locking, which is a big one, uh, and a few other nice things. But I actually, what struck me about this story, Noah, was uh, how how whimsical the release yeah. is for one yeah. of the world's most largest and substantial right. operating systems. Uh, you know, yeah. I I thought I might do a release candidate. But you know, then I was making chili and uh, <laughs> was watching TV, and I like... <laughs> yeah, it's just like well, you know, then I just decided I would release the world's most important operating system uh, this afternoon instead of waiting a little bit longer. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, and it's, you well, know, well, I hope that never changes. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's What's funny is you could actually see it coming down to something as simple as. He was going to he was going to release another release candidate, but then something came up at home, and he wound up you know a little extra busy that day, and so then he decided he better just push out the mm -hmm. new thing. Really I, think it, I think it I think it I think it gives you an insight into how Linus views bugs. Bugs are not a huge deal; they're just another thing that gets fixed yes. with with future software updates, and right. so it's just like all other uh, security issues and bugs are all the same thing. And you just he just has a very pragmatic look at it; he doesn't get super worked up about it. And then you know the right. other the nice thing about Linux, obviously, is downstream the distributions are buffering the end users from any kind of disturbances that might be there. They're testing those things, and you're not going to see LTSs. Like, they're going to re-release next month shipping with it. Uh, so we'll get some testing. Um, and speaking of the Linux kernel, a uh, project that you may or may not be aware of called Outreachy has actually provided a fair amount of patches to kernel 4.6. About 1,600 patches total in 4.6, 400 coming from Outreachy. The intern application process is also happening for Outreachy, which is kind of interesting. <clears throat> so it looks like almost a quarter of the patches are from Outreachy, which is the group providing paid internships for women and other unrepresented groups in tech to work on the Linux kernel and related open source projects. So it's an interesting little update from Outreachy because I hadn't really heard about what kind of code they've delivered, and uh, so it looks like we've got something there. Also, speaking of something that I've been looking forward to and getting finally some good information about it, XDG app. You can read all the different stuff out there, Noah, but this is the secret sauce that the uh, folks over at GNOME are working on to make it easy to create a Linux application that runs on any other desktop environment. Well, a desktop environment that supports XDG app. It's a sandboxing, minimal application delivery system. Um, <clears throat> I believe, if I recall my history now, it feels like it's been a while, Red Hat hired the GNOME Builder guy who's been working on this, and he's working at Red Hat. They're putting this in GNOME, some of this technology, XGG app uh, 0.5 in GNOME 3.20, uh, and it's already been packaged up for Fedora 23 as well. This is a really cool project, Noah. The goal uh, that uh, we've had for a long time is 
one application that runs across all the distributions. And once you kind of reach that, you really make it possible for a lot of different people to write software and to de deliver software for Linux that couldn't really wrap their head around the ecosystem in the past. And uh, so XGD app, I'm pretty excited about. There's there's several solutions in the works right now. We covered some of them recently on Linux Unplugged, if you're curious about that, including Snap Packages and App Image and a few others. So those are on the recent Linux Unplugged. But XGD app is sort of the one I'm, I'm looking forward to because it's got Red Hat, Fedora, and GNOME behind it. And I'm sort of a GNOME desktop fan. <clears throat> it's almost here. Does it, feel to, does it feel to you at all like every time you turn around, somebody is trying to implement a solution to standardize yes. apps. And yes. so and here's the problem. Here's here's the problem. I see with that is do we fall into that XKCD problem of there are thirteen mm -hmm. competing standards. Mm -hmm. Let's make one standard to standardize here's them all. A, and now here's the, the difference now and why I'm getting more excited about it is some of the underlying fundamentals are beginning to become common. Uh, systemd and C groups and yeah. namespaces and uh, some of these, some of these uh, across the whole stack are starting to become common across distributions. And so instead of inventing the entire technology stack to deliver these applications, they're now taking advantage of technology that's already baked into every modern version of Linux. And so theoretically, go figure, that could mean that almost any of these could end up working if they just rely on some of these fundamentals, which could be obnoxious. Could be the direction we're going. I think this is a big one, though, because really it's it's baked into at GTK, it's baked into the GNOME desktop, and it's got the weight of Red Hat behind it. Seems like a pretty uh, like you know this seems like the standard I'm going to be using when I have a, an application that runs on Fedora, a, a, an OpenSUSE desktop, and an Arch desktop, and maybe I'll use Snap packages for Ubuntu and etc. But the other it'll be here's your Snap package and here's your XGD app package, and you'll download this one bundle for XGD app and run it. That's, how, that's what I suspect, but we'll see. <clears throat> GNOME software could also be playing a role in that, because remember, these apps are going to be delivered via GNOME software, which is on a lot of GNOME desktops. Our fa one of our favorite, not the favorite, but it's got to be damn near up there for command line applications for favorites, Nmap, right? Nmap, freaking Nmap. Next to TCB dump, uh, well, and obviously a few others, but uh, Nmap 7.10 is super cool. It's been released with uh, like 150 new OS identification scripts, so it can figure out what OS it is by scanning, which I didn't even realize it needed that many. Uh, hundreds, it says, which I believe was 150. Smaller improvements, lots of bug fixes, way faster now, and the new end map is here, and it's time to celebrate. It is one of open... Whoa. I got, like, a plane that's, like, flying low overhead. Maybe they're celebrating end map, too. Maybe they're bringing the end map banner, because end map is an awesome, famous application, which has been featured in movies such as The Matrix or The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and others. So, all praise to the end maps. Congratulations on another release. Your thoughts, Noah? <laughs> You love it? Uh, the, did you, did it freeze on you too, or is that just me? What? Oh no, uh, no, oh, okay. no! I'm here. I'm, the, I'm good. I'm I'm jumping. What do you see? You uh, don't see uh, all praise to Nmap. All praise to Nmap. That's what I see. Yeah, no, it, the, Nmap is great. And Nmap is one of those programs that, like, you know, there are certain things like when you get to a fresh install and then you open up a terminal and you're like sudo apt-get or sudo yum or in your case pack or tack s, and then what follows is a list of I will deal with problems as they come up. But before we even, before I even bless this computer as mine, these things must exist. Nmap is darn near at the top of that list. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe preceded by Firefox, but uh, for me, mm -hmm. but the, uh, but for the most part, like there, I, there is, I can, I can safely say, I, I there is no computer that I have um, privileged access to, even if it's not mine, that I don't install Nmap on because it is so unbelievably useful. And what's funny is. 
I have used other port scanners as, you know, you know, there's some that come out for Android and there's some come out and they're great. And, and some of them are really neat because they, you know, they, you know, you click one button and it will list all the clients that are connected to the network and stuff like that. But I always find myself reaching back for Nmap because I need a little bit more power and I need, I need a couple more of the features that only Nmap offers. You know, one of my favorite uses of Nmap, uh, amongst using other tools, though, is just one of my quick go-to when there is a TCP uh, IP conflict, like DACP, for some reason, a machine doesn't release the IP, another machine gets the IP, mm -hmm. now we've got a conflict, well, where do I find that machine? Turn the, known, turn the known machine off, start pinging that other machine, make sure it's still up, and then Nmap it. And then usually, just yeah. based on the ports that are open, that can translate yeah. to that to the, well, I know what software that would be based on those mm -hmm. port numbers, and also with the OS. And I, I almost always, when I was trying to track down a IP conflict, Using Nmap would give me all the information. And, oh, yep, that's that computer over there with SQL Lite on it. And yep, right there we go. Unplugged it. Yeah. Okay, problem solved. Thanks, Nmap. Saved me two hours of tracking stuff down on the switch. The really nice uh, you tool. know the thing about uh, it, fingerprinting is uh, lately, especially if it's a smaller network, like say smaller than fifty clients, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. usually I can find the client based on nothing more than the MAC address because Nmap will tell you what the that what the MAC address, what company is registered to that. Yeah. So you know that'll eliminate it down a lot. You know if you've got you know a lot of times what you'll find is you have all the computers like you'll get an image that gets deployed out to all of the Dell Optiplex thirty twenties, and because there are forty of them, those all work just fine. But then that guy went to Best Buy and bought that one HP that nobody really wanted and it's kind of like the ugly redheaded stepchild and so it's not quite configured right and so it is the one that gets screwed up exactly but when you when you head map that and you look and you're like oh there's an HP there's only four of them in the building so that narrows it down a lot of times even if I knew nothing else about the machine just the brand will narrow it down or actually just this week actually I was there was a display that um Basically, what it does is it goes out to the internet, and you you let them hang the display in your hotel or venue, and then they push like you know things that are interesting to the public to to this display and, and events that are going on and stuff like that. And I we there was there was a there was a a weird problem with it wasn't a it wasn't an IP conflict, but there's a weird problem on the network, and I, it was coming from this particular box. And I found the identification for it was a weird identifier for the the make of the the network card, and started looking at what companies use those network cards and that and I recognized the the name of the company that makes these screens and so went and looked and sure enough it was that screen and Bob's so your uncle. even that alone is, is enough sometimes just to 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 narrow down the problem preacher brother I love it and uh, honorable mention too to TCP dump in last week's episode of TechSnap go check the roundup segment of the links in the show notes and there is a really great guide on using TCP dump for awesome stuff. So you combine some of these tools together on the command line and it blows your mind what you can do from a command line in an SSH session to a machine anywhere in the world. It's it's pretty great. So that is linked in TechSnap last episode, Roundup links for the TCP dump stuff. Uh, but congratulations to the Nmap folks and one of open source's most famous hacker tools, quote unquote, gets revved. That's the news this week, Noah. It's time to talk about this brand new project called KDE Neon, and they're promising to deliver on something I have been craving for a decade. First, I want to talk about Linux Academy, our segment sponsor. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged to support the show and get yourself a fantastic discount on the Linux Academy training platform. We brought the unplugged discount to Linux Action Show, so go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged and check them out. 2,342 self-paced video courses where you can obtain experience you need to learn and proceed and progress. They have downloadable comprehensive study guides. No, I don't know what it is, but I swear to you, I have heard from multiple people, they listen to Linux Academy in the shower. 
I've heard people listen to this show in the shower too, but specifically, I think I don't know. Have you ever have you ever had shower thoughts, Noah? Have you ever had a shower? Oh, I have shower th- thoughts. I'll, in fact, so in, I know. Yeah, I'll say it on the air. What the heck? It's it's show content. I uh, so every morning when I shower, I take my laptop into the bathroom with me and I set it down on the sink. Every morning I, you take your laptop in, huh? Yeah. And then I get into the shower and then, but frequently like I jump in and out of the shower if something like hits me. And this morning I was just, I was like being nailed with ideas for whatever reason. Like sometimes your creative brain just kind of yeah. goes off and I just had idea after yeah. idea after yeah. idea. I love and that. I was banging them all out on my laptop. Yeah. It like in and out of the shower. And so, so now totally imagine this, imagine this, picture this. Linux. Picture this. You got a test, you got an exam, or you got you want something there's mm-hmm. there's something some work coming up, a project you have to work on, and your head mm-hmm. is totally into this, right? You're you're thinking about this exam, you're thinking about this cert, you're thinking about this project. Pop right. Linux Academy in. They have downloadable comprehensive downloadable comprehensive study guides, they got audio, they got video live streams you can watch, they record the video live streams so you can watch them later if you couldn't make it. They have instructor mentoring available. So if you get stuck while you're in the shower, and actually in all reality too, they have uh, a really slick system for those of us who are not super, super um, free with time, you know, just like barely any time during the week. They have a really good system that allow you to select your availability and they can build content around that. They have graded server exercises that evaluate you while you're connected to a real server. They have seven plus distributions to choose from and they spin up the machines in, in on demand as part of the courseware. They match the distribution you've pre-chosen. They got all the courseware you need on Ruby, Python, Android development, anything in the whole DevOps sphere or you're jumping into the Red Hat certs. They have great courseware on that. They got dedicated staff keeping all of this stuff up to date and relevant. Check it out. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. They're working on an Android app, and they just recently released an iOS app, too, which is another option for when you want to get some work done. A really nice resource for on a tablet or something like that. That's a cool option. Linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. A great resource to learn more about Linux. Go check them out. Sometimes we talk about topics here. And, like, you could go so much further. Just go over there. It's a great companion to this show. It really is something. Uh, especially, too, if you're making a transition in your career, a really great resource for that. Check them out. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. All right, Noah. So, recently, a new project was announced at Fosdom. Uh, I believe it was on January 30th around then. So, you know, within, you know, the last few months. At Fosdom, uh, Jonathan Riddle announced KDE Neon a way to provide the latest and greatest KDE software on the day it is released. More than ever, they say, people expect a stable desktop environment with cutting-edge features all in a package that's easy to use and ready to make their own. KDE Neon is the intersection of these needs using a stable Ubuntu long-term release as its core and then packaging the hottest software fresh from the KDE community ovens, uh, (laughs) which is kind of funny. Compute knowing you have a solid foundation and enjoy the features you experience in the world's most customizable desktop. You should use KDE Neon if you want the latest and greatest from the KDE community, but the safety and stability of a long-term release. That's a pretty big goal, and it's definitely something the KDE project is needed, because sometimes getting the latest and freshest KDE is meant jumping through some hoops, so we figured, mm-hmm. let's get it straight from the horse's mouth. Now, to get some specifics directly from the horse's mouth, as it were, Jonathan Riddle is joining us. He's a developer with KDE Neon. And uh, I read, uh, I remember the day you announced it, Jonathan, over at Fosdom, if I'm correct. Welcome to the Linux Action Show. And uh, could you tell the audience a little bit about KDE Neon and uh, some of the high-level goals? Uh, Well, KDE Neon is a new project. We're doing it as part of the KDE community, the original and best free software end-user 
uh, desktop community working in a friendly collaborative way using open source and free software licenses. And Kitty Neon uh, came out of us wondering what was the best way to get KDE's software into the hands of users. And so we came up with a bunch of uh, a, a bunch of um, attributes that hadn't been filled by anybody before. Mm. Um, and so we decided that we, we should crack on and, and do it. So some of those attributes that stand out to me, uh, and so forgive me because I'm gonna I'll I'll ask you sort of what just hit when it struck me when I first heard this, and I understand why, but I just like to hear it from you. Uh, it seems it seems like something we've been waiting for. Just a high level is a stable base based on Ubuntu LTS, uh, eventually 16.04, with mm -hmm. really up to date. Plasma desktop packages. Essentially, if I'm correct, like the goal is the day a new update is out for the Plasma desktop, you could get it on a Neon desktop. So day, hour, the, the hour. Really? hour. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So okay. Here's what first struck me is every time I hear about so every time I hear about an idea like this, it seems to be the eventual path people go down is well for this to really work right. Well, I gotta I gotta roll up my sleeves and I gotta build my own distro so I control the entire stack. Why not go that route this time? Because who are we interested in um, when we were sitting down and. Looking at KDE software and how KDE got into the hands of users, um, one of the issues was that the the way that our software gets into the hands of users is through various projects, which also have a, a bunch of other interests as well. They they want to help out. Um, reasonably enough, they they want to make those users be able to get every other free software project there is out there, and they want to make those users be happy to run it on the server if they want to and um, also use the same software for uh, web, web serving sure. or, or whatever. So being um, based on Ubuntu now is an asset where I think an old term used to hear is, oh, it's just another Ubuntu derivative. Now it's it's based on Ubuntu, and I know that, but the desktop environment is a modern KDE Plasma desktop. So the Ubuntu thing isn't really a con, it's more of a plus, because like you said, that's their work environment on their servers. Uh, so my question to you then from that is, is that why something like rolling wasn't an option? Uh, because it seems like eventually a problem we always run into is the modern desktop requires something from the stack lower that the LTS doesn't have. How will Neon tackle those problems? Right. So the, the full rolling desktop, I mean, there are many people who use that, and that's excellent, but they've always scared the heck out of me because um, I don't want to spend my day... I don't want to spend 20 minutes every day updating the whole operating system on my computer, and and I don't want the risk that suddenly GCC wants to be updated, and that means everything needs to be updated, and maybe something will break. Um, so I, I wanted to get the latest key software, but I'm not that fast about having the latest of anything else. So that's why we said, great, we, we want a stable foundation. Um, but we want the latest and greatest KDE software focused on KDE Plasma and, and the stuff that is designed to work well with that. Okay. And so that, to me, sounds like if you're thinking of those types of users, you're thinking of the more of a higher-end user for Linux. So this isn't uh, this isn't so, this is more of something directed at people who understand that this is maybe a little bit more of a cutting-edge version of KDE, or do you see this as something that would be applicable to everyday users? No, no, I'm... Focusing the fans and focusing people who know what their operating system is, care what their operating system is, care that there's a new version of 
plasma that's out mm -hmm. and want to get that. Uh, so Which I would I mean, say is probably a great deal of our listeners. Exactly. Um, and it's probably a great deal of the people who use Linux on the desktop um, because it's obviously never made the mass market. Most of the people are the enthusiasts who use it. So in this case, we're, we're not targeting the mass market because that's not going to happen. We're targeting the enthusiasts because that is happening. And they're and they don't have a lot of projects that just target them specifically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it seems like everybody's targeting the masses and then and not appealing to anybody at the same time. Right. And so here we want to say people who are fans of KDE or fans of uh, Linux desktop software, this is this is our great offering, and you should try it. So if you see an announcement that says new version of Plasma is available, uh, how do you get it? Until now, KDE's only had a very wishy-washy answer, this and that and the other, and now it'll have this, that and the other, or here's a simple way. Right. Right. And uh, and also, uh, the other options were often go go install something that is very cutting edge and rolling. And uh, good luck using that as your daily driver when you're trying to use it in the enterprise. So that's a, this seems to me, it really is sort of striking a note that really no other distribution has struck before. I, I, I'm curious, just why do you suppose you're really one of the first to zero in on this particular market. Why has it taken this long for a mainstream desktop environment to go really nice and up to date and based on a massively popular stable LTS? Why is why why is this not happening before? Is there been some sort of limitation? Is it distribution politics and old thinking? What has prevented this until now? I, firstly, I don't know that there is a market. Um, <laughs> okay, I think there is. Not, it's not fully launched yet. So we still have no idea how many people are interested in this. Maybe maybe it's only five people. I don't know. Um, but insofar as nobody else has tried it before, it's, it's because of that way that open source works, which is that the people who make the software are over here, and the people who distribute the software are over here, and they're not the they're not the same projects. Um, and he, so here we said, well, we we want to do it, but I'm not interested in doing it as just a, yet another project. Mm -hmm. That's listed on DistroWatch, but nobody cares about. Mm. I want to do it as a project which is part of KDE, which is part of this amazing community who have been working for the last twenty years to bring software to people. Um, how much of it is to? How much is it to showcase the latest KDE and Plasma work and to sort of incubate and maybe upstream patches? How much of it is the goal? Of, is that a big driver of the project, or is that just sort of a happy side effect? Uh, to showcase, yeah, that's, that's a definite aim of the project. To upstream patches, well, we don't want upstream patches. We want people with patches to go right. to right. to Plasma, to whatever, right. to frameworks, wherever they're And you'll going. pull those in. And and they will pull those in. I'll put on my mm -hmm. Plasma hat, and I'll, I'll, right. I'll right. work on a Plasma patch as part of the Plasma team. Um, but I won't do it as part of the Neon team. Uh, if there are patches needed for Neon, then, of course, we will implement those in Neon. So, for example, okay. we, we looked at Plasma and we looked at Neon and we said, okay, we need we need a Plymouth splash, a boot splash for when you're booting up. Um, so we could we could do one just for Neon, but but then that's only for us and we would need to maintain it and that's not very friendly on any other distro. Sure. Let's make one which is part of Plasma. So we've got a Plasma team um, for, for Plymouth and for Grub um, and that that has all the advantages that upstreaming stuff has the advantages of that um, it gets it, it's available for everybody and the fixes are available to us. I love I love hearing that. That is 
That's a great answer. Um, so just while on that thread, any any kind of are there any kind of discussions about how customized that KDE Neon experience will be? I imagine eventually one day, as an end user, I'll download a complete ISO image, and it's going to be based on Ubuntu directly, not Kubuntu, but Ubuntu, and then it's going to be fairly just a vanilla KDE experience. Is that sort of my expectation, or am I wrong? No, that's absolutely right. Um, can you say one day? I'm hoping to do it in, in a couple of days' time. Really? Um, have, the, have the first previews of installable images. I hope so. I haven't finalized this, but... So I've been... I've, right now, I'm running it on top of Kubuntu 15.10, and the only real change mm -hmm. I've made is I added the uh, CPU monitor uh, plasmoid, and I've turned on the dark theme. And I am running the developer version right now, so it's, I believe it's 5.6. And uh, yeah. extremely, extremely well put together KDE. I mean, it looks, it's, I mean, it's just using the default now. It's looking so good. Uh, but what struck me, I've been, I've been testing on this laptop for a few weeks, and this is truly one of the fastest responsive UIs I've had on this machine. It's got Intel graphics, a core pro i7 processor in there. And this is a very, very responsive desktop. On the uh, live stream before the show, I was demonstrating to the chat room uh, some of the performance characteristics of it, and they agreed. It seems like a very smooth desktop environment. And one of the things, so often when I go and I tip my, I just want to just try out KD and I put my toe in the water. A lot of times I hear, well, it's this is going to be fixed in 5.5, or this will be fixed in this release. And now finally, seems to be an avenue here to be able to grab this and install this as an end user and have a great out of the box KD experience. What though should I expect? Say I'm three, four months into this, and a brand new version of KDE comes out. Uh, is this coming down as a regular system update? Is there going to be anything to try to preserve the user experience, or are people just going to have things change, and that's just what you'd expect when you're using a distribution that focuses on the latest KDE plasma? Oh, stuff will, stuff will change. So yes, in terms of our use cases, uh, our user profiles, we're after people who um, who know what the software is on their computer and know that it, the features will change, which a lot of users, the mass market generally, they don't want feature changes every day. They want to, to know when that's going to happen so they can prepare for it. Um, but in, for Neon users, there are people who want to have the latest features and, and the latest tweaks and, and changes um, coming in every day. So three months' time, your desktop will have um, Plasma 5.7 and will have the, the latest stuff. and of course, if you're running the developer edition, that's Git branches. So that one, that includes code which is not as tested as the release stuff. Mm -hmm. And the expectation there is that you're the kind of person who tests that and gives feedback and reports bugs mm -hmm. as needed. Um, that makes sense. So please report any bugs. So I guess uh, just sort of uh, big project level stuff. Uh, if the audience is watching, uh, is there anything at this stage that you need for project-wise help? Translations, uh, patches, anything like that, or is the project still sort of in the incubator stage where you're kind of working on everything behind the scenes? And if they, if you do need help, where would they go? Well, stuff like translations and patches, they would go, they would be just done as part of the KDE project that needs those translations or those patches. Um, so a lot of stuff, we're not the right place to do it because the right place to do it is the project that does the software. Uh, Will there be like no, an installer for Neon, or you do, or were you planning to use some of the existing code that's already out there? How, that, those kinds of things? Will those be created in-house? Uh, no, we, we try not to make things in-house. I love that. Fun. Okay. Okay. No, I think that's great. Why reinvent so the wheel, the right? that I'm using at the moment uh, is Ubiquity, which is the one that I wrote for Kubuntu. Mm -hmm. um, and 
works for you. Because I know the code and I know it works. <laughs> uh, we, I, I will try out Calamaris um, when I get a chance and possibly switch to that because um, that has active developers and they, they want to help with lots of different distributions. Sure. I think that works sure. really well. Jonathan, I think is I love that your answer is well. I should go upstream in almost every case, and I think that's that's ideal. And I think it's this is going to be a great development for the Plasma desktop. Is there anything you want to touch on before we wrap up? That of course it works. It works the other way as well. That if you're a KDE developer or or just contributing in any way to KDE programming, you find a problem in it, um, in the way that it's been packaged up and included in Neon, then you can fix it uh, because mm. as a KDE project all 500-odd KDE developers get access to the code um, so they can fix the packaging, packaging.neon.kde.org, um, and that's just Git, and they can check out and fix that. Oh, and then nice. that gets built on build.neon.kde.org, and anyone in the KDE account has access to that, and they can just click go for a build, and then you can test it. Um, so if you want to fix something or... Or if you have somebody who's reported a bug, but you can't recreate that bug, you can make a fix, or a hope for a fix, and then say, Here, here's the package now available to test, please go and fix it. So aye, it works both ways, that we don't want to develop software, mm -hmm. we want to help the rest of KDE be able to develop the software. I love it. Well, best of luck to you guys, and uh, if those of you listening want to check it out, those of you out there, go to neon.kde.org to find more. And Jonathan, thanks for coming on the show. So now let's take a few moments and share our experience using KDE Neon. So did Noah and I here both loaded up. I'm assuming you went the Kubuntu 15.10 route as well? Yeah, so we both went the Kubuntu 15.10 route, then installed uh, the necessary packages on top of that, did an upgrade, and then a few minutes later, you're running KDE Neon. They have the instructions on their website, but it is definitely not at the point where they would recommend your average user install it, because it does probably have some rough edges since they're not even planning to base the final version on 1510. They're going to base the final version on 1604. Mm -hmm. And all of this is really just to help people get started. So keep all that in mind when we talk about this, because it is nowhere near final days or complete yet. But it is a fascinating project. So Noah, you got a chance to kick the tires. Do you want to start with your initial impressions? I did. And I think that we had totally opposite experiences. Right out of the gate, I had, things were not going well for me. Um, I installed like <laughs> I installed Kubuntu fifteen ten and I booted it up and black screen and then black screen with a little bar across the bottom but nothing really there and then finally when I got it to actually load into uh, into Kubuntu I had no wireless network hmm. and so fought fought through that for a little bit but eventually I got uh, I got I just plugged in wired and actually I thought installing it was actually really simple it was like five commands Installing, and I copy yeah, pasted them yes. off the website. Yeah, Neon makes it really simple to get it installed once you have a base Ubuntu setup. I don't even think you need base Kubuntu, but that's kind of made it a little easier. Uh, I didn't have any kind of problems with that. I'm doing it, I was doing it with Intel graphics. I actually installed on the Librem 15 here. Uh, so the wireless worked just fine. The graphics worked just fine. One thing that's not working, regardless of what I do, and this is not a Neon thing, this is an Ubuntu thing, is my USB Ethernet adapter is not being recognized. So I am only mm. using wireless right now. Uh, that said, though, Noah, so interesting thing that I, I, got to, I got to notice while trying this out. Mm -hmm. I've, been, I've been running Ubuntu Mate on the Apollo. I've been running uh, GNOME uh, 3.18 or whatever it is, the latest GNOME on Arch on the Librem, really getting a sense of how it performs. Mm -hmm. And then I installed KDE Neon, and this version uh, that is currently installed is based on KDE 5.6. 
Okay. So this is a really freaking current version of KDE. And it's not the final version yet, but this is the best performing desktop I've experienced on the Apollo or the Librem yet. Uh, it is extremely smooth. Everything is super responsive. The windows render faster. The uh, There's no like uh, glitchiness when I'm dragging the windows around. They are very smooth when the transparency kicks in. There's no stuttering. I was beginning to think that the Intel uh, video card was just hopeless and that I was mm -hmm. never going to be happy with anything but integrated graphics, even for just rendering my basic desktop, because I am very sensitive. I, it sounds really anal, but I am very sensitive to a low frame rate in my desktop. If I can see the windows being drawn, if I can if I can see the borders of the window before I see the main contents of the window, if I see glitchiness when I'm dragging or resizing the window, it distracts me. It distracts me and makes me less effective. I know that sounds stupid, but blame it on my ADD. That's how it works for me. And when I run a desktop where it's super smooth and things pop right up and the window transparency fades in and out like super nice and, and, the, and the menus slide up right when I click them exactly when I'd expect them to, there's zero latency in my typing. All of it is very responsive, very performant. And now I'm feeling way better about this Iris graphics that's in here. So I and I my the laptop that I was using it's not that old it's about a year old it's a, a Core i7 it's about a year old maybe maybe a little older maybe a year and a half but I had the exact opposite experience when I went to log in from the time I put my password in just to actually get to the desktop took like 15 to 20 seconds and then once I was on the desktop everything I opened seemed to take forever and that, I, that's I will say the boot seems a little slower although I really like the uh, splash screen that uh, mm -hmm. they've created yeah, for this. yeah it looks really slow okay. So the polish on the desktop is amazing. Like, have you noticed that even when you drag the the windows, and this is probably a Katie thing, but you drag the windows and it 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 like I don't even know how to explain it. It like it fades out and then comes back yes. real fast. Yes, this is a uh, this has of course been in KDE for a while. But the way what you're noticing, and this is what the Neon Project's yeah. all about, is upstream current KDE is getting really nice. I didn't change anything mm -hmm. except for enable the dark theme. I otherwise everything on this desktop is default and I like it right now. I added the CPU widget to monitor the CPU and uh, I went into workspace theme and I simply chose from breeze to breeze dark. Mm -hmm. And now I think it's a very nice looking desktop with very good performance. And it definitely, it definitely feels like a polished operating system, as if I had bought, purchased a a brand new Windows machine or a brand new Mac machine. If it, I, I was, I felt like I had a complete desktop that I wasn't starting with, you know, you know, a plate and then adding a bunch mm -hmm. of stuff and customizing it to I, make I it guess, my computer. I felt like it was my computer out of the box. I'm of two minds of it now, Noah. Uh, the so uh, actually, I guess I got three three strong opinions about it. My first one starts with Jonathan, and that's one of the reasons we had him on the show, is uh, I trust Jonathan's motivations for creating this distribution. I mm -hmm. trust yes. his ability to uh, pull this off based on his past work with Kubuntu. And uh, I like everything, every answer he had in that interview about going with upstream, about directing work upstream, right. uh, not reinventing the wheel, using code that he's written in the past. Uh, mm -hmm. Brilliant. Exactly what I want to hear on a project like this. What I don't want to hear is, we have to own the entire stack and build it from top to bottom and invent our own package manager. and We'll right. call it KDE OS or Plasma OS. Or yeah. I don't want to hear that. And so yeah. I really trust that what he recognizes is the same thing I recognize. There is actually a value to having it based on Ubuntu. That is now a recognized brand that people trust. And so saying this is based on Ubuntu means it's the same environment you have up on your servers. So that, I think, is gives it a Jonathan. And that, that mindset, to me, gives this, or this project a big leg up. The second thing I like a lot about it is whenever you're talking about the Plasma desktop, you always hear, oh, that's going to be better in X. 
that's going to get fixed in X. And I'm saying this, you know, we've reviewed the Plasma desktop since it was called the Plasma desktop. And we've mm-hmm. been reviewing every release. And every time it's like, well, this has gotten a lot better, but that next thing we need, that's when it's really going to help, or this is going to be a lot better. 5.6 is now beginning to represent the collection of all of those things we've been waiting for. And 5.6 in here on is looking really good. And now there needs to be a place to run that. And I don't want to wait six, seven, eight months, and I don't necessarily want to have to use a rolling distribution either to get it. This solves that. I like that a lot. So, and then, and then you know, really, the third thing, Noah, is this feels like a really great now go-to distro for me when I've decided this machine's going to run KDE, or I'm going to check out the latest version of KDE. Really? I, I feel like... Oh, okay, hold on. This is where clarify I'll go now. For me. Even, e- clarify that for me. Even above... Antergos with KDE? I think so, for, for a couple of reasons. Um, uh, mostly because uh, I, th- I think this is going to be even more current than that. So if I want the really latest stuff, then I think this is going to be even a little more current. Probably not much, but probably by a few days. And so for reviews on this show, mm-hmm. that couple of days makes a difference. Makes so sense. I think I'll be going yeah. to it for that reason. Uh, and again, it goes back to Jonathan, too. I, I think I like where he's going with this. I like how mm-hmm. he announced it at Fosdom and talked about it there in a very you know communal way. They've been very clear about what the goals are and what the scope is of this from the very beginning. You know, you read that announcement. He very clearly outlines that it is going to be a desktop environment that runs on top of Ubuntu LTS. From the outset, this is not a distro. This is not going to be something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything that he's talking about looks like it's going to benefit Plasma Desktop upstream. So for me, I kind of feel like this is sort of, you have somebody out there who's delivered on a KDE Plasma desktop for years and is now going off and creating something that I've always wanted. Mm-hmm. From, from as far back as when we talked about creating Jupyter OS, before there was even a Jupyter Broadcasting, the core concept of Jupyter OS was a stable core and a super mm-hmm. up-to-date desktop environment. I, I mean, I've always wanted something like that. And... Now I'll use Arch probably for GNOME for a while, and I'll use uh, KDE Neon for my absolute latest KDE, and I think it'll be my go-to. And I'm really curious to see where they take it, because they're, all, they're along the ride here for Plasma Desktop just getting better and better. And Noah, here's what I suspect. I'm going to make a little a Red Book prediction here on the Linux Action Show. Okay. Six months from now, this will also be your go-to KDE Desktop. I think eventually... I think eventually you could become a KDE desktop guy. When it's just the right so. configuration, I think you really have liked it a lot. And I think once I, they I stabilize this, once it's based on 1604, they've had some time, a couple of releases are out, things have been smoothed over, I think this could be your KDE distro of, of the future. That's my Here, Here's suspicion. my hesitation. And you tell me, maybe I'm way off base here. If the desktop, is, if the desktop environment is bleeding edge and always at the forefront, and the 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 distro itself stays static i feel like there the possibility exists the strong possibility exists that you are venturing down a set of railroad tracks that developers aren't counting on and thus you're opening yourself up to unforeseen problems because that's not as a developer of an application that's not what i expect right i don't expect to have a bleeding edge desktop and, and and a static distro. There's a there are developers that you know that develop for the bleeding edge, and then there are people that stabilize it and and you know and smooth every smooth out the rough edges to bake it into an LTS. And I feel like we're trying to to split that, and I, and I, I'm a little unsure about that. And so I think that's going to be I think that's going to be the test. Uh, I mean, really though, the only thing that's really going to be changing out from underneath you uh, on a reoccurring basis is going to be the Qt libraries. 
And they generally, until they're doing a major point rev, have pretty good compatibility. Because your underlying, yeah. all your other underlying libraries, I would assume GTK and everything else you'd expect, are going to be Ubuntu LTS. It's like 14.04 today, except for it's going to be the latest Q QT and the latest Plasma desktop. Imagine, uh -huh. you know, imagine if you could have had 14.04 stay even more relevant for you. I know you've run into a few times now where you felt like, okay, this is starting to feel like a little bit old. But otherwise, it's a pretty good go-to LTS. Now, imagine some of those, those rough edges where you're starting to feel the age of the desktop smoothed uh -huh. over by something like this. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's I not, definitely... and here's the other thing. One more thing, sorry. It's not like Mint, where Mint has been based on 1404, but then has gone off with Cinnamon and right. Mate and doing all of and their X apps and doing their all thing. They are their own beast now, which is good in its own way. Yeah. This is banking on its Ubuntu on its yeah on its Ubuntu heritage, and it is taking a mainstream desktop, one of the largest Plasma desktop, and it's uh -huh. it's 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 it, in my estimation is sort of nailing the sweet spot between stable OS, rolling desktop. And as long as QT libraries in between point releases maintain stability, I don't think you're going to have any troubles. That's my guess, but you could be right. We'll take a look. I tell you what, you, it wouldn't take much to, to switch me to a KDE user. There are like little things that I have to retrain myself. Like, And I'm, I'm with you. I think we talked about this last week. I just expect to be able to hit the super key and type the name of the application yeah. that I want yeah. To, to, to use. Okay, super key. And so yeah. With a little bit of tweaking, yeah. I could definitely get myself well, and when you, that. Or, or if you retrain yourself to Alt F2, the K Runner launcher is yeah, like the yeah. most badass launcher on any desktop environment. It's crazy powerful. It can do all kinds mm -hmm. of stuff. It plugs into a bunch of applications. I'd, I'd probably I remap that just because I don't yeah. like. I agree. Across it's people, not a good combo. For sure, the, the feature is there, and and so once I once I get past that, and then the, I, there were a couple of other like little weird things I ran into. So for example, the Telegram PPA did not work, and I suspect that has to do with uh, I'm I'm guessing it's a QT thing, right? That they yeah perhaps they have, but they have their own integrated messenger app that I. I wasn't exactly sure. I was a little hazy when I was talking to Rakai because I was <laughs> starting to get kind of tired. But I, my understanding was that it actually supports Telegram. Is that right? Yeah, you can use uh, the built-in Plasma desktop. Here, I'll show you. Uh, so, you know, kind of like in, in, in GNOME, if you go to your system settings, and then there is an online accounts section right here, and then you can create... Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you have AOL Instant Messenger, of course, you've got Google Talk, you've got ICQ, uh, Office 365, Yahoo Messenger, and Telegram. Uh, which, yeah, uh, there but we go. you do have to have uh, some background stuff installed, like the Telegram That's protocol fine. support. Yeah, you get that background stuff installed, and then it, I think it integrates with Compete. I did try that at one point, Noah, and the only issue I had, I believe, is every now and then I had to reactivate it. You know, like it sends you the pin code. Yeah, actually, you know what? I suspect that that is a Telegram issue, and I suspect yeah. it will be solved soon because every third-party application I've ever used with Telegram is subject to that. However, that, I, I, I would encourage you to try it because I think you would be impressed with the level of integration. When an application is fully integrated with the Plasma desktop, you know, you click the notification, and like on Android, how you want to be able to reply in the notification. Yeah. You can do that. Yeah. On the, it's nice. Yeah, and you also get a history of all your previous notifications. So if you get a bunch of messages like I do, you, you bring up the uh, the uh, the notification drawer, and I can like go four messages threads down and click on that one and bring that one up, which is really nice too. So it's worth integrating. I just had I just had some troubles with it. So maybe KDE should be my first sixteen oh four install when it comes out, which will happen actually oddly enough at around the time of Linux West Northwest. Well, I mean, and if you're going to go sixteen oh four, why not go KDE Neon once they get a sixteen oh four? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, maybe, that's what I'm saying. Maybe that maybe that becomes yeah. my first. 
My first, uh, yeah. my first KDE. I think basing it on 1604 is great. Yeah, I think 1604 is going to be a really popular release. So I think things like Neon here are going to be really popular, or Mate on 1604 are all going to be really popular for a while. So I think the Neon project is worth watching. It's a pretty nice desktop environment. I like the dark theme myself. That was about the only tweak I had to make, and I was pretty happy with it. So I'll be running it for a little bit longer and probably do some follow-up in Linux Unplugged. But we've got links and resources in the show notes. If you want to go throw together a Kubuntu rig, uh, install 15.10, then follow the link on our show notes and copy and paste stuff. But remember, don't bug them. Don't hassle them. This is an early release. And if you're doing this, consider actually like doing some bug testing. Send the fixes upstream. Maybe look into doing some, some translations or help spread the word about the project. But don't expect it to be your daily driver just yet. All right. That's the Linux Action Show's look at KDE Neon. And that brings us to the end of this week's broadcast. And before we go, I want to thank the feedback segment sponsor, System76. Go to system76.com and find yourselves a beautiful computer born to run Linux. Great machines, powerful computers, always trying to give you more and more power to do more. And they have fantastic desktops, starting at the Itsy Bitsy Meerkat, the new Sable design. Check that sucker out all in one, looking really slick. The Rotel Pro, the sleeper of the bunch, and the Wild Dog Pro the workhorse we've had for years. Also, those laptops, so slick. Look at that Oryx Pro. They got 50 bucks off right now. Dedicated graphics, desktop class CPUs. I want it so bad. Go check them out at System76. These are computers that give you a great out-of-the-box Linux experience. Desktops, laptops of all different classes and categories, backed by a great company that's part of the community, giving you support and working to make sure everything works great. Stop fighting with your hardware and go play with your Linux and tell them the Linux Action Show sent you. System76. Dot com. Thanks, System76, for sponsoring this segment. All right, so uh, one of the producers and editors over at Jupiter Broadcasting, Mr. Ham Radio, is on the line. Hello, Ham. Hey, Chris. Hey, everybody. Hello. Hello, sir. So uh, every year, Ham, in, there seems to be a Jupiter Broadcasting member that needs a little extra help to get over to the Pacific Northwest and make it to Linux Fest Northwest. And there's this comes in different ways. This year, Ham is sort of getting the special treatment. Noah is going to be arriving in town, and we're going to load up in Lady Jupiter and head over to Idaho to pick up Mr. Ham Radio. And Ham, how did you, you found a spot for us to pick you up. What was your criteria when you were looking? Did you get tips from Noah, or was it all by gut? Uh, well, no, it was all by myself. See, uh, when we were moving over here to Idaho, we moved from Oregon, and um, so... We stopped at that place, and that place yeah. uh, is big enough to huge. have big rigs yeah. and everything. Yeah, he found a Flying J, Noah, that we can uh, we can meet up at. So we'll be able to pull Lady Jupiter in there. We'll set up. We'll boondock, make lunch. Ham will show up, and then we'll get on our way. So that's going to be fun. So we're going over to Idaho to pick up Mr. Ham Radio, and then he'll be coming back here. So, Ham, looking forward to that. And people will probably have a rover log to watch soon, too. So Yeah, it's very exciting. I can't wait. Yeah, that's going to be fun, and we'll give you guys more details soon. Thanks for calling in, Ham. We'll talk to you soon. So, Noah, a long time ago, uh, like episode 390-something, okay, I said something on air. Before things got out of control, at the beginning of something that you could say was the start of a snowball, that snowball has rolled downhill and picked up a lot of momentum since then. But is that a thing? It's a thing. Here's the thing, actually, Noah. Uh, this is a supercut put together by a fan oh. of the Linux Action <laughs> Show. <laughs> All right, we're gonna try to stop saying. Here's the thing. If you guys can no, come, if you guys. All right. It, just what we need is. Here's what. Here's my. Here's my promise to you. If somebody out there makes a hypercut 
of all of us of all the times we say here's a thing in the last few episodes and it, it's excessive, we'll stop doing it. That's my that's my. Yes. Uh oh. So he actually caught that on air when I made that commitment. And when, just to be clear, when you made that commitment, I know, I know. Like we, I said, before it okay. become a big thing, it's a snowball now. No, it's a snowball yeah. now. But this was Wait, the commitment. That's your promise, not my promise. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the hypercut, as the old saying goes. Ask and you shall receive. Okay, no, get ready. It's gonna be a little brutal. No, no that seems like an excellent prediction. We'll see. <laughs> All well, right. uh, okay, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm sure I would, okay. I would. I would. I probably have more to say. But here's the thing. I'm it's so awesome. excited about my. Okay, go for it. Part time go had a centralized, uh, you know, universal installer, and that that's okay. Yeah. Except here's the thing. Then you have to accept. I don't know what to make I'm of not, that. I don't yeah. Know. I, well, here's here's the thing. I'm I'm honestly I'm tempted. It, huh. You know. I'm, I, here's the thing. It, you, I, I'll tell you what. Are you excited? No, I'm not. Uh, here's the thing. They, my chair's still there. You here's didn't get rid the of thing. Chair, did you? Here is this is true. Uh, Alan. Alan. Yeah, Alan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> here's 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 the thing. The the idea that fit. Do you follow me? Yeah, very much so. And it it, it is a here's the thing. Like, I think we're gonna have to move on. To I, uh, here here's the thing. I uh back. Good. Here's the thing. When it comes to uh, then the Nexus Six P. Yeah. Here's right, the thing, but, though. The reality is the market, and and maybe it's like the one the developers themselves are using or something mm-hmm. like that. Would you try it, Noah? Absolutely. Here's the thing. In between, I, I like my LTSs. I, uh, you know, here's the other thing that comes to mind. Just saying. All right. Uh, here's the thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm totally in for this uh, video. And Cat five. See, here's the thing. Is we're actually we're not getting on the air until or don't exist in Grub. If I here's the thing. If I have ac- physical access to the box, I've ever felt. Here's the thing. I would actually probably rather be in an RV. All that's all the instances. Those are all between episode 394 and 399. 394 and 399. No, I mean now here's the thing. Uh, it's taken on a life of its own. Now I don't know if we can stop. I mean we made the promise. Now I'm gonna work on it. But geez, now we're all in. You, you go ahead and work on it. I think it's hilarious and adorable that people <laughs> get upset. Like here's the the thing is, I'll say the thing is that here's the thing. The thing is, you need some sort of a transition. It is just simply rude and and uncanny to just start talking. I don't I don't like when you finish. It, I have to I have to somehow bridge the gap from your well made point that I have nothing to say about to my point that I've been composing in my head so that it's fluid without sounding like I'm ignoring you and moving on. To my own thing. Well, and it's and also it's good for when there's a catch. Like a it's a great thing for when there's a catch to the thing somebody's saying. Like when you find the loop in their logic, you can be like, "Oh, but here's the loop in your logic." But you don't want to say right. that. Right. Yeah. I know it's yeah. difficult. It is difficult. All right. Well, Stefan writes in with our first email. He says, uh, "Open your Wi-Fi." Hey there, Chris and Noah. I don't know if you have time to read my whole story, so I'll just get right to it. Tech Thank reporter you. Brian S. Hall from ReadWrite.com opened his Wi-Fi. Uh, and remove password protection. Thinks there is no big security issues. He talked about it on uh, WINC's New Tech City show. Greetings from Austria. Love the show. Stefan. And, you know, something else really interesting just happened, speaking of open Wi-Fi, is there was just recently a court ruling that coffee shops and business owners can't be held responsible for copyright violations on their open public Wi-Fi for guests, which is a big deal for hotels and anybody in the service industry that has Wi-Fi for their customers. What are your thoughts, Noah, about an open Wi-Fi network? Do you think it's a good idea? I think it's a great idea, and Altaspeed actually participates in the OpenWireless.org initiative. And basically, what it is is, when we go to um, when we go to install uh, Wi-Fi at a place, we will give them 
one of the access points for free if they will allow us to add an additional SSID that is set to the SSID openwireless.org. And here's the basic premise. You've been to a coffee shop and you and you connect to ATT, the, the wireless network, and then Every other time you go to connect to a network, it automatically reconnects. But the problem is some of them have captive portals and some of them are terribly slow. And there's all this different crap that goes on. What we've done with openwireless.org or what we participate rather in with openwireless.org is we give an SSID that if you connect to anywhere you go, your phone will just automatically connect to that SSID and you'll have client segregated internet access. So basically what that means is you can talk to the default gateway, but you can't see anyone else on the network and they can't see you. So it's, I wouldn't go as far as to say it's secure, but it's definitely a step up from, from what public Wi-Fi used to be. And the other thing is we don't ever put a captive portal on it. And so if you're the kind of, if you're using Ting, for example, and being on Wi-Fi all the time is really, really important to you, you can connect to a single SSID, and then any time, any place that we manage the Wi-Fi, because they usually take us up on that, uh, they you have you're gonna have you're gonna have free internet there, um, and you're not gonna you don't have to worry about opening the page and accepting the terms and conditions. It's a bunch of nonsense. Now, to be uh, but clear, I though, think that your personal device is at home or at the office. You're on I have a secure open network. At my house. Yeah, you, it's open, but you're like devices themselves. They're not just flapping out in the open Wi-Fi, or any willy-nilly neighbor could come by and sniff your packets. You're on your own private network. It's client. It's client separated. So if if they go, it, yeah. You're, well, there, there is. Okay. So the way that we the if you want the the physical setup, when it comes in from the modem, the modem goes to a switch. The switch goes to two routers. One router is the admin or my home router or whatever, and the other router is the open wireless router. And then that goes to the access point. So yes, they they are they are separated. But even within that guest network. They are client seg segregated, so one cli you can't ping anyone else on the client except for the default gateway. I love that. There you go. Mm -hmm. So maybe maybe the guy was talking about that, but not explaining it very well. I'm not so sure. But I definitely agree with the concept. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I think that everyone should allow open access to Wi-Fi. I think that we need to get away from this idea that it's insecure to have a guest network. Uh, you know, uh, on the network, there are plenty of there are plenty yeah. of secure enough ways to do it. Yes, exactly. Just do it right. Uh, so Noah, uh, I have uh, I have a couple of pass uh, catchphrases uh, that I want to run past you for the Emma versus Noah switch competition. Okay. Before uh, we do that, yeah. before we do that, can we get to that other piece of email? Or did you not want to address that? The tip one, and we can if you want to. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Read it. Go ahead. Matt T writes in, and this is my favorite feedback of all time. His entire <laughs> message was, "I was very upset to see that in last 408 wasn't named the tip." That's all. There you go. I think a lot of people felt that way. We know we had to, we had to uh, keep the class level up a little bit, as it were. It helps with discovery too. So, are you ready for my catchphrase? And Emma versus okay, Noah yeah, Linux switch SmackDown. So, as many of you know, at Linux Fest Northwest, Noah is going up against Emma to try to switch as many people over to Linux. What's that mean for you? That means you need to come out to the Pacific Northwest. You need to bring somebody with you that doesn't run Linux, and you mm -hmm. need to put them in front of Noah. That's your job. Mm -hmm. My job is to get behind Noah and help him as much as possible. So, I've been working on some catchphrases. I want to run him past you, okay? <clears throat> the persuasion of Noah compels you dot 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 to try Linux, and then we put like a big pay, like a big tux or something in the middle. What do you think? Yep. Okay. All right. Cool I got it? another one. I got another one. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. I'll evaluate. All right. Okay. Uh, here's the thing. Dot dot dot. Take like a moment better. and try Linux. But I, I feel I like, like I like the thing th the thing about the power of the or I'm sorry, the persuasion of Noah compels me to switch to Linux. The thing I like about that is it's kind of more uh, past tense. 
Like mm-hmm. they're switching. It's not like it's not like tried Linux. It's like boom, you switch. So I want something right. powerful. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, I agree. Yeah. So, anyways, I'm gonna. Tr- I'm trying to come up with some slogans because I think we need some swag. Because you know the System 76 folks. Right. Oh, are they are. Up. She told me. Yeah. She told me. They yeah. are. I think your yeah. SSD strategy is good. I think we need to step it up with some swag. Uh, we have okay. a recent uh, caricature of you. We could put that on some things. Um, yep. I could even tell them not to put a penis on your forehead, so that'd be fine too. Or we could do that, whatever you want. But we could put you, that you on. Don't pay some... Attention. The penis goes on the shirt. Oh, yeah, right, okay. right, right, yeah, right, right. Yeah. And I. And so we got to have something for people to switch to walk away really feeling like they got something. Or maybe even yeah. other people. I don't know. We gotta go all in, but to do it, we need a catchphrase. And I'm thinking. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm picturing a shirt. This is just off the top of my head, but I'm picturing a shirt with a classy small Linux Action Show logo above the breast, like sort of like your Jupiter Broadcasting logo is right now, not the mm-hmm. big one that we always have done. Do a small right. classy one right here, and then on the back, the full whammy, like whatever the catchphrase is, and like your face or tux yeah. or something, and we make an official swag. I think this is the way to go. So we got to come up with our catchphrase. All, in, yeah. all right, you got to think about because we got to up the ante. We got to also know it. By the way, once we get this done, we also need to get a meetup page established so that way yep. we can start organizing people, even if we don't have the destination yet, because we need to get the troops <laughs> to arrive. Yeah, or the time. <laughs> yeah, but we got to get this because we cannot lose. This this is the big deal. So uh, no, I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I'm. I. I think that. I think that they're probably sweating over at System Seventy Six in the offices. They're probably running around, wringing their hands, that kind of thing. I'm. I'm not all that worried. I, I have a. Uh, I, this is what I do. I know. Yeah, I know. I know. But here's the thing. Here's the thing, Noah. This is what I'm worried about. Uh, show attendance. We need to. You. You need actual people to switch, and we need to do it in a place like you can't do it at a restaurant like you've been talking about, Noah. That's not going to oh, work. Oh, really? How, you got to go interrupt people's meal and say, "Excuse me, can I tell you the good word about Linux?" <laughs> That's yeah. not going to work, dude. You can't. It's not? No, man. So we got to come up with something way better than that. And uh, like, yeah, I mean, maybe a bar might be better, but that's going to limit yeah. your potential audience. Not to mention, they're probably going to be there to do other things besides talk about Linux. So I'm just thinking, you got to really think about your avenue. You, we really got to get the meetup page put together. We got to get a okay. slogan. I, I don't know if you can tell, but I'm your campaign manager now, and uh, I'm making sure we okay. get this right. Oh, that's cool. I don't <laughs> want to lose this thing. We're going yeah, all no. in. So we're putting the power of last behind this. All right. Because you got System76 and the whole company over there, and they sell people to, on Linux every single day as part of the job. And yeah, they're bringing swag. So we do too. We do on the show, and then that's what, that's what I do when I'm off the show. Is I, I eat, sleep, and breathe selling Linux to people. So Ham Radio is going to help. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, maybe we can get some of the crew to help bring people in. We got to talk about this. Maybe they okay. can go out into the crowd and bring people in and help them switch, warm them up a little bit. Feelers out there that could blend in, double agents kind of thing. This might be a good way. It wouldn't be a double agent. They would just be an agent. Dude, that's not as cool. So double agent is twice <laughs> as cool. Here's what we yeah. got to do. I got to see who I can corrupt at System 76. And I, I actually have an idea. See, Emma has it in her head that she is going to play T-Swizzle in the car on the way from the airport all the way out to Bellingham. And it's going to drive Ian nuts. So he may be corruptible with just – he may mm-hmm. be right on the edge to begin with. You know, with, this, is always, this is something that's always worked for Captain Kirk is he flips somebody on the yeah. bad guy's crew. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. See, I think this this could work for me. I might be able to I, if I if I offered him some food and 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 got him drunk. You know, we really can, we could promise to show him some some special places he's never seen in the Pacific Northwest. Emma can't offer that. I'm just saying. <clears throat> All right. 
<sighs> These are things we need to talk about. We need to double down on it. And I, 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 I feel like we should hold another meeting before the next show because there's no time yeah. to delay. I don't want to lose this thing. You can watch us live. Go over to jblive.tv, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. We'll convert it to your local time zone automatically. Don't forget to check out Linux Unplugged on Tuesdays. We have our virtual lug. It's like a Linux users group over the internet. We get together. We talk about the Linuxy things that matter to Linuxy users. It's turning out to be a pretty great show, so I, enjoy, I invite you to join that or go download it. There is some additional info and context that would actually fit really well with this episode. Uh, also, shout out for anybody that wants to help me with the background for the video version. I have a link in the show notes for that. Go follow that guy on Twitter, at Colonel Linux. I'm at Chris LES, and the network is at Jupiter Signal. Anything else we need to cover, No, I think that's it. Yeah, I think so. Okay, everybody, thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of the Linux Action Show, and we'll see you right back here next week. So, no, what I'm telling you is, you just take a little break. I'm going to have some hot Nashville chicken, and uh, you can just, this is, oh, oh, no, look at that. Look at that, dude. They've got pickles on there. they got a biscuit in there. Ooh, like, lots of plenty of extra sauce, too. I got some of the sauce on my biscuit. Mmm, put some butter on that, Noah. Damn you. So I went to Nashville and I had na- actual Nashville chicken and it was amazing. It's like the best chicken I've ever had. And KFC doesn't compete to that, but I. Oh, tried man. It. Look at it. It's dripping, Noah. It's dripping. Yeah. Oh, man, Noah. Oh. Mmm. 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 So good, Noah. So I, I tried it for the first time and it was actually pretty good. And then I, uh, I, I got sick after eating it, uh, which I sincerely hope happens to you. And then <laughs> after, after that, uh, the next day I was like, oh, Sarah, we should go back and get some more of that Nashville chicken. She's like, I thought it made you sick. And I'm like, yeah, it did. It was so good. And so I've eaten it like four times since then. Man, look at this bite I'm about to have, Noah. Look at this bite I'm about to have. Dipping it in some homemade uh, lemon aioli to cut the heat. It's all crispy right there, Noah. Oh, you see it just dripping. Oh, it's dripping. Look at that. No, it's dripping. You're not looking, Noah. You gotta look at look at that drip, Noah. Look at that drip. Oh, wait. Oh, <laughs> when <laughs> when uh, when I leave, you may or may not find that all of your systems have been installed with Windows 10. <laughs> Zip ties, Noah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the zip ties are going to be real. No, busy. this is still make... payback for zip ties. I'm, I'm, mm. I got pent up. Oh, is that, oh that, that's what it is. We're not even yet, I see. Do you think Trump's a Linux advocate? No, I don't think so. Could you see that? <clears throat> no. Based on his response on Apple's handling of the FBI case, I'm thinking no. He didn't seem to have a big uh, preference for civil liberties or protecting people's privacy. He said we should boycott Apple and they should open up that phone. So imagine how he's going to feel about open source software where they can't who, pass a lot of. Who do they think they are? Yeah. I think that, so how's he going to feel? Said. How's he going to feel about open source software where you can't pass a lot to control it? Well, frankly, here, here, here's what I think. Here's what I think. Okay, <laughs> I think that uh, I think that if if I was in charge of Linux, I would uh, I'd call Microsoft because I frankly they take my calls. Believe me, <laughs> they would. They take my calls, and uh, and uh, they I would tell them <laughs> that I I you know what I do. I'd work out a deal with Microsoft and I'd say that, you know, Linux, here's the thing. The, Linux is like the strong, I'd be the law. I'd be like the strongest Linux advocate. I oh would. my that God. That's they, <laughs> they call me, 
they call me the Linux man. That's what they call me. I didn't pick the name. I didn't pick the name, but believe me, that's what they call me. I got they, friends. They, I got really great friends. He is the Linux man. He's the Linux guy. He's the guy that you go to for Linux. And, and I would I would get the greatest deal with Microsoft because I'd call Microsoft and they'd take my calls. And, and we'd talk with Microsoft and we'd work out a deal where they would start shipping Linux you know, on on the Windows, because because the Windows users, I think they really want Linux. They they're tired of this Windows crap and this micro Microsoft crap and the Mac crap. What they want, they want open source. I, I think they want open source. They actually that we would call it Gold Linux. We'd call it Donald Trump Gold Linux. That's what I would call it. We'd have a gold desk. Actually, we'd make our own desktop. <laughs> actually, what we do, and it would be gold. It'd be gold. And believe me, it would be good. It'd be good because uh, you have morons at Microsoft and you have morons at Apple and they produce an inferior product. And I, I would make, I think I'd make a better product. I do. Um, it is Old Monk, imported Old Monk, and it was a gift. Oh, dude, that sounds horrible just by the name sound. That just sounds disgusting. Imported so, Old Monk, yuck. So I gotta look the, this thing it, up. It was, it was a gift and, and I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for the gift. That, like, that was super nice. But the, the problem was, is like, it was almost, it's, I don't even know how to describe it. It was almost like it was a, it was like a sour beer. If that makes any sense, like it, it almost tasted like, I don't know how to, and I like hoppy beers. Don't get me wrong, but like, it was so bad. It was so bad. Like hmm. I was like, I, here's how bad it was. I was like, well, maybe I'll start out with like some, like a pale ale or an IPA. And then after, you know how, like after the first, like one or two, then you don't care so much if it's not per, you know, you yeah. tolerated. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, well, I'll just set it aside. I'll come back to it. Uh, that's good. That's nice. No, it's not. Yikes. Never did. Established <laughs> 1998. It can't be that old of a monk. Yeah. Established 1998, no, yeah, dude. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I think it says like 10,000. Yeah, it says 10,000. Well, 10,000 super beer. It's a super beer. It's not a super beer. It's super something. It's super something. Yeah, well, not. you saw what I was doing last night. I know. I know. Actually, so I didn't. For the first time, it's like the first time ever. Where I haven't envied what you're eating. I know, right? Yeah, why would you? Because usually when you sell your pictures, whatever you're eating is a hell of a lot better than what I'm eating. Like, your crystal will be like, look, Hadia made, and then, like, there's, like, some, like, exuberant thing that I probably can't even pronounce, but it's, like, super, like, good-looking, and yeah. there's, like, all these different, right. like, aspects to it, and I'm like, look what I'm eating, my yeah. McDonald's burger and my now, fries. So last night, we decided to go crazy gourmet on uh, ramen. So we got these big cup noodle ramens, and then this is a sweet onion chili paste. This is kimchi. This is sesame oil. We have uh, ranch powder. Uh, this is a chili garlic paste right here. Um, See, that sounds good just li listening to it. So then we put all of that into one of these, let it sit for a while using boiling water, and then threw on a piece of American cheese on top. Mm. I know that seems weird, a piece of American cheese. No, it doesn't. No. I didn't no. I didn't come up with this. I got this from Eat Your Kimchi on YouTube. You see what that American cheese does is it doesn't taste like cheese and something that's this strong. It just adds sort of uh, a brothy thickness. Yeah. 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 And so it melts in and then you stir it in and you don't even know you got cheese. And then uh it kind of looks like this. See, mine's the spicy one here and then Hadia's kind of had the more ranchier one there. Huh. It was pretty good. Yeah, uh, I did. Just, I did have the poops though. I did get. If you just buy like the, because I'm assuming you didn't use the flavoring that came with. No, I did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Oh, you did. Sure. Oh yeah. Oh, you got to use all of it. You got to make it substantial so it's a meal. It gave me the poops this morning, so that's the downside. Oh, I'm sorry. But uh, it was really fun. It was like a creation, you know. So you know, kind of worth the poops.